Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. I'm really excited to be back with you all, especially Jason with his NPR voice. I can't go there with him, but uh, um, <laughs> Jason, just in case uh, anybody hasn't heard or you know didn't listen to my brief thing, what's been going on with you for the past few weeks? Well, it's really been going on the last 10 years, but but yeah, I developed, periodic, periodically I'll develop a, a granulome on my vocal cord, and uh, my remedies have not... Uh, this time haven't been enough and so the doctor put me on vocal rest and um yeah so I, I did that for two weeks and now i'm still i feel sore right now you know uh some but uh i'm in the rebuilding process i guess you could say cool so we are not going to take up too much of your time today but i just kind of wanted to explore what that's like especially for your job where your job is basically to talk to people to talk through things, to work through things with people. Uh, and you, you you did find a way to do that in a really cool way that we'll talk about. Um, but it is so, it, it's such a fascinating idea to think about the idea of a, of a preacher, a minister, um, taking away, like what is it like to live, live that life when you take away what everybody would assume is the number one tool for it. So I, I, I want to hear what was... What was the biggest encouragement you had from your three weeks of silence? Uh, the biggest was the response uh, from people, um, the support. Um, I, I think that I hope that other churches would be very supportive if their minister ran into this. I have experiences in my past that would say it wouldn't be as smooth, you know, and I'm very blessed uh, because I have other people that can easily. I mean, I, I share my preaching role with somebody else, so I have a benefit that a lot of preachers don't. But in general, it's just the, the support. Um, it was really through the roof and the understanding. And there was this part. Well, I'll leave it there. That, that's been the, that's been the biggest thing. Is just it's been a constant encouragement. Hmm. Uh, and to be frank, I, I miss it. <laughs> like you know, when you're getting that much encouragement all the time, sure. Uh, I'm like, man, this is sweet. So I, I did really appreciate that. Hmm. See, for me, the thing that I would be like, I can imagine myself in that situation. The thing that I would miss would be having so much less social obligation. Uh, the, that would be just an absolute dream for me. Right. Um, but, okay, so here's here's a silly question. Uh, did you have a plan for, like, if you got pulled over driving somewhere, like, how you were going to communicate? Or did you have, like, um, like a paper written out or something like that? I didn't. I, I do have a funny story I can tell you about writing. So I did. I carried a, a legal pad everywhere. And I filled three or four of them. So uh, we had got something from Dollar Tree, a bunch of something. And uh, and I was like, we're just going to throw it away. That's like $18, $20. We should go back, you know. So uh, I had the opportunity. So I went in and I went to the lady at the register. They don't have a returns thing at Dollar Tree, you know, a set-aside thing. And I I said, you know, I, I motioned, I don't talk. And I had, I had written on my paper, may I have a refund for this? have my receipt, have everything ready. And this girl, she's probably, you know, she's young, but it was like, it scared her. It freaked oh, her man. out. And so she panicked 
and she didn't talk. And this is the funny <laughs> dynamic. A lot of times when I didn't talk, people would either whisper or they would stop talking and kind uh, of gesture, funny. you know. And I, I, so anyway, so she kind of panics and she's, she's like, um, um, ho- hold on, you know. And, and so then she goes and find a manager. The manager comes out and starts to talk to me. The, the worker whispers something in her ear and the manager goes, oh, 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 hold on. And she goes, she goes into her, her uh, office. So she's in there scrambling. You, you can hear it. She's scrambling, looking, 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 looking. And it probably takes, I mean, the whole interaction should have taken 30 seconds, you know, with, sure. what, with what I was about to find out. But it probably takes three, four minutes that she's in there digging around and stuff. So she comes out. And I realized she has written down her response to me. Oh, man. And I was like, I can hear, like I'm motioning, <laughs> I can hear. And at the end of the day, just for everybody, this is a PSA. For Dollar Tree, you can't get a refund, but you can exchange. Uh, oh, and so all of that. So instead nothing. of getting a 30-second answer, mm-hmm. which was fine, uh, I and it's like five minutes later. And, of course, you know, Dollar Tree, a lot of times they only have one register. So now the line – so I've got an audience building. Uh, uh, I would be the- so furious with you if I was in that line. Oh, So I've got a funny, yes. similar similar story. So Hannah, my wife, she um, she actually went to school for uh, to be a sign language interpreter. And so at one point she was pretty fluent. She hasn't done it in a while, but she can still get by. And she's been uh, co-leading worship at this church. And nobody there knew that she could speak sign language. And just one Sunday, random Sunday morning, a couple weeks ago, a guy walked in. He was deaf, and um, and the the head pastor and the worship pastor that she's working with were trying to communicate, and just it was not going well at all. And they're really flustered. They're trying the same sort of thing. They're trying to get something to write on, trying to figure it out. Like I think they're trying to do like a speech to a text to speech app on their phone. And he just comes in and you know signs, and and the guy's like, oh. Thankfully, somebody with some brains here to, to figure out the situation. But I thought it was really funny because they had no idea that that was like something that Hannah did. And they were like treated her like a superhero for the rest of the day. Um, so you h- how transitioning away from story time, how did you um, go about like with list? Well, let me OK, let me get this and then we'll go to the last question. Um, obviously, you spent most of your time listening. Um, did you notice anything different about um, the process of listening to God during the time when you can't speak. Um, I would love to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can you know being in silence doesn't mean you not talking doesn't mean you're in silence. Yeah. You know, and so and I tend to fill the gaps with a lot of distraction just in my normal life, which is one of those things that if I you know if I wave the magic wand and I never felt a need to do that. I know my life would be richer and fuller and more resonating, you know, but here we are. So, but I did take several times just to spend an hour in silence, you know, um, meaning not just my silence, but all silence, you know, and that is always a huge blessing to me. Um, and it, it's just, it, it, it relaxes the whole day, you know, uh, kind of thing. And I, I did love that. And it's something I could do anytime. It, it just feel, you feel so much more compelled if you have things on your to-do list, you just got to do them, you know. And what's funny is if you're distracting yourself, you don't think about your to-do, your to-do list. But once you sit down in silence, all you can think of is your to-do list, you know. And so really being able to um, identify that and being able to um, just make continue to make the choice, you know. Yeah, that is something I can think about later, you know, once this dedicated time is done. Um, I can do that later. I, I think in general, 
there was just a lot of um, it, it felt um, renewing. Uh, the time did feel renewing and the time in, in the sense of uh, connected with God. And, and then and I think you'll lead into this next, but the, the listening piece in general uh, was just really helpful. And I think as you listen to people, I, I think we, 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 we create these strong barriers between I'm listening to God. Now I'm listening to people. And I think God speaks through people. Um, and I think, so I don't think that barrier is that strong. And so they really tie into each other. So yeah, you, you are right. That's kind of where I was going. Uh, so what, what, what's really interesting to me is if this happened to me, uh, and I was working at a church, like the church you work at, which is very like forgiving and is very like, um, man, they're so accommodating, accommodating. That's what I was looking for. It's so accommodating. Uh, and so not that like, what have you done for me lately? Sort of thing. I've been like sweet, a free vacation. I don't have to talk to, I don't have to listen to anybody. I don't talk to anybody. I'm just going to stay home, watch TV, play video games and, and all the good stuff. But you chose, you know, to do the responsible and smart thing. And so how did you go about ministering to people, uh, during the, during this time? Well, uh, just to take a step back from that, the reason I, I did the listening tour is what I called it, is um, two, two things happen. And this is kind of how God works, at least in my life, these weird kind of things. Gary and Mel- Michelle Ford, who are missionaries in Thailand, were in town, and I basically had one day to talk to them. And I couldn't talk to them. So I thought, man, they're worth it. you know. So I went and just sat with them, and they talked, and I wrote, you know. Uh, and then I got an email uh, or a, a text, something from a guy that said, hey, I, I think you should lean into this fully. You know, don't let this slow you down. And so those two things kind of, you know, coalescing, I, um, that's where the idea, I put it on Facebook. And I ended up, I think, having, I mean, I could go back and count for sure, but I think I set out, uh, I opened up 10 spots each week, you know, for the, for the two fundamental weeks that I was doing this. And I think I did end up doing it with, 18, 19, 20 people. Um, the thing that was most interesting, uh, well, there, there's a lot that was interesting. Number one, it changes the dynamic dramatically if they know you're not going to talk. Because even with my writing, I recognize pretty quickly, if you write more than three lines, people start losing mm. <laughs> connection, you know? <laughs> so I had to keep it really concise. And I would make statements at times if the emotional need was there. But mostly I tried to do it with questions, you know? And some people are more successful than others with that. But, but the dynamic of um, being able, be, not being expected to talk was very relieving to me. I, I didn't expect that. I realized that my career path has basically set me up. So for the last 25 plus years, um, I've basically been on a career path that when people talk to me, most of the time they're talking about a problem they're having. And most of the time they anticipate that I'm going to provide them an answer. So, so I, want to lean, I want to lean into this real quick. That You said something very specifically um, about the pressure being taken off. And it, and it hit me. What we've tried to do in Amazing Perplex and what we've tried to do in our Amazing Perplex groups is take off the pressure of figuring out what you're going to say next. And I was re- and I was just, I was processing through, like I've never taken that to my everyday normal conversations with, with people. Um, and I've done, I've, you know, you've, you've sat through thousands of conversations where somebody has a problem and they went talking through with a minister and, and I've been through dozens, not, not near as many as you, but there is this fascinating dynamic of like, of trying to fi- of, of you're trying to listen, you're trying to like lean into what they're saying, 
but you're also like, okay, how do I not like, at least this is for me in my, maybe in 20 years, I'll feel differently. Like, how do I really not mess this up, God? Like, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I do the least amount of damage or how do I, God, what do you want from me? And just constantly um, feeling this pressure of like, uh, of getting lost, getting lost in the moment. And so for you, there, there's that freeing aspect. Um, also, did you find yourself more, did you find yourself ever more connected with the person because you were you were not necessarily um, thinking about what am I going to say next? It was you were forced to listen. Like, did that inspire any sort of deeper connection? Yeah, I I think that's that's good observation. I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting because every relationship. If I was talking to twenty strangers we'd be having a different conversation than if I talked to 20 people I already knew, you know, and the vast majority I already knew. And then when you know somebody, you know them in different levels of intimacy. And so I'm sure a lot of this reflects those pre-existing relationships. But I think in general, for me, I mean, I remember early on in my ministry, I would pray that the people wouldn't stop talking because they're going to get to an end and they're going to ask a question. I'm going to be expected to give a reasonable answer and I don't know what I'm going to say, you know? And so I have relaxed over the years in God saying, Hey, if, if God wants me to have an answer, I'll have an answer, you know? And I don't know if that's honest or not. Like, like I mean that honestly, what I just said, but I don't know that I've always given, waited for an answer to God to give it to the other person in this, this really pushes you because you're not really expected, especially the first week. Um, I was so tuned in to not talking. Um, I really tried not to answer, you know, and, and my natural bent came back online probably <laughs> as we went providing more counsel, but it was still very limited, you sure. know, to just a sentence or two. And so that, that dynamic, um, it was liberating. Um, I think it, it became Tim Rush, the guy I work with. He said, how many people have cried in the conversations, you know? And his anticipation is when you're talking to somebody that's only listening, more of you can come out, you know, and I do think that's true. I, I do think more we especially if if they would finish and I would be like kind of thumbs up or nodding, giving them. Yeah, thanks for sharing that basically is what I'm communicating. And then there's a pause and then they go to the next thing. I think they shared. I, I think a lot of times when you get with a person that you expect to solve your problem, you don't process more than that problem even though there's a lot more you could share, you know? And then there's some unhealthiness to that too. I'm just reflecting right now because that means I'm only interacting with the person's problem. Like I never hear about, here's the good things in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're only engaging because they say a problem. I say, here's some things to think about. They come typically, they, they typically come back and say, okay, here's what I heard you say fundamentally. What about this? What about that? I do some more problem solving. We pray. You know what I mean, kind of thing. And this was much more wide ranging. So that's interesting. So when you have conversations, or when you're talking to somebody, um, let's just say over the scope of, you know, five, ten years, and you're getting together every now and then and talking, if it is always around problem solving, if it's always around fixing issues or you know wanting issues to get better, then the the relationship that is formed, or what the 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 relationship is between you them and the problem it's not between you and them necessarily uh and so i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking about this out loud I, i'm i'm processing and i i wonder okay so this is this is gonna go a whole other level i i'm i'm really fascinated by the dynamic of of you're leading a church 
or you have a deep spiritual relation with somebody and then they leave, they like leave the church or they go somewhere else that so you feel like you're betrayed by them. Um, and you'll hear this refrain from ministers and from preachers and pastors. Um, man, I sat down with them when their marriage was failing. I sat down with them when their they lost their kid. I, I mean, I was, I was constantly there like through the whole thing. And all I got was this, you know, all I got was this lousy t-shirt basically. Mm. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you've had that experience, that sort of that sort of th- that sort of thoughts and experience. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is it because so often for these people, the relationship isn't like I had this deep connection and relationship with my pastor. It was I had a deep relationship with my pastor and this issue. And it's not this like direct one to one. It's it's this. It's been this. We're both feeding into the, these this this problem and fixing this issue. Um, and there's very little back and forth so i i I don't know how how does that how does that sound i i totally resonate and i've i've been processing this because of how i'm wired my history you know all these dynamics i i don't relate i can't say i am the typical minister so i don't know you know um i do know for me that i have poured into a lot of people spent a lot of time and i thought i was building relationship and they thought they were solving a problem and it's, they're not bad, you know, and I'm not bad, you know, it's just, I realize I've had my feelings hurt over and over and over again for people that I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, when they call, man, I'm there and I help and I, I, you know, I, I consider it a blessing and a joy, but I put up with a lot because when you're, when you're dealing with somebody in crisis, they're in their worst space, you know, it's just the nature of it. So it's not a complaint about that. I, but then once that problem's done, it's like, I cease to exist to them. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have when they're when they're back in Tulsa and they have a need, they call me and I'll I'll drop everything and it help them. Not my family, but other than my negotiable stuff, I'll drop, and um, and then they'll be back in town a hundred other times and never call me at all. You know what I mean? And I know I I mean it honestly, it's like to me, it, it's this man we're building community. And to them, it's just, I mean, I mean, it's not critical, but I'm like the spiritual ATM, you know, they put their stuff in, they get back what they need and they move on. And you don't think about your ATM as, man, I need to go back and visit my ATM unless you need more answers from your ATM. So functionally ministers do serve in that spiritual ATM role. And, and it is one of those dynamics that is, if I keep it in proper perspective, I'm fine because it's fine. It really is fine. Um, Simultaneously, um, this is one of the reasons I didn't pursue counseling is because I was spending so much time with people. Then I would see them out and about and couldn't even greet them, which I understand the rules and I respect the rules. I just, they didn't fit me. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's weird for ministers in general to have friends, you know, sure. cause you're like, where does your ministry end and your friendship begin? It, it's yeah. really challenging. And, and we're going to wrap up here in a, in a bit. We're coming up on 10 minutes. And so we don't want to. We don't want to wear out Jason's voice, but I, I think there's something really interesting here and that, that, that the conversation has led here just organically. Like, I think there's a part of, of what you were talking about, the the feeling of betrayal sometimes and the feeling of um, being used. There is an element of that where I think, man, part of that is just being like a follower of Jesus and just dying to yourself and being like, OK, this is this is what I need to be. But I do wonder, is the byproduct of how people view not 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 even paid staff members of a church, but how they view spiritual leaders is we have set up the system we, where you said that you said the sentence. Um, I thought we were building. A, I thought we were building a relationship, and we were just solving it. We we're just solving a problem. And is the reason that that's so much more common is because that's how we how we go about church, where 
a lot some where some of us sit down we think man we're, we're gonna try to build a relationship here but really we're just trying to fix the sin problem we're just trying to fix your outlook on life we're trying to fix your view on um what happens after you die or whatever or or how you get saved or when you get baptized or whatever whatever the thing may be for you and i'm wondering and i think this is the byproduct i wonder if this is the byproduct of of, of the of the sermon being the center point of a of of a gathering um like <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, and this is not breaking ground necessarily, but I'm just, I'm, I'm processing out loud here of, is this, is, is this, is this hurt magnified? Is this phenomenon magnified because of the way, um, that we say we want to build friendships, but we're actually just trying to solve problems and fix things. Um, that, that statement that you said there, uh, there's certain times somebody will say something and it just like hits that hits hits at my heart and that 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 sentence right there is something that's going to stick with me for a bit. Yeah, I think that's I think it's really true. And the longer I am a minister and a disciple of Christ, and I, I don't have the compulsion because I don't go to a church a church that really pressures me to maintain status quo. Uh, I always went to churches that had pressure. You better maintain status quo. But this is a real, we really want to be a learning environment. But the downside with that learning environment is you learn, oh, the way we're doing this, we're doing this for us and it feels good for us, but it, it's not really helping people move towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, even that relationship model, on one hand, I'm saying, so I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth there, I'm building relationship. Well, you can only sustain so many true relationships, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, on at any depth. And so what then happens is now the other person's feelings hurt because I got to move on to the next quote relationship, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and we, I, I think in the church many times, once we build relationships in the church, we put up a protective barrier where we don't want anybody to mess that up, which mm-hmm. directly works against us reaching out to people who need to know yeah, Jesus. So, good. so it's the whole human condition is messed up, but you are right. It, there, well, that, there is this part in our, our culture that, yeah. that magnifies it. Well, I think that this is why Jesus had so many close followers, right? This is why there was so like, there was so many few because like he as a human didn't have the ability to, and the time to have that connection with 10,000 people. Um, and so the way he chose to, uh, and we, we've gotten to this so many times, but the way he chooses to impact um, not just a small group of people, but the world is is by focusing in and centering in, um, and not having as, as broad a scope. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cut myself off right there because I know I know us. We can keep going forever. Um, but one, I'll just say thank you if you're listening to this and being patient with us and and being understanding. Um, hopefully, you know Jason. Um, Jason will get some good news back here in a few weeks, and uh, his his granuloma will be shrunk or gone or yeah, what's the I'll term? I'll take either of those. <laughs> shrunk or gone, uh, preferably shrunken. Gone. I don't know what the t- the proper term would be, uh, but that he's healed and that that's better. So if you would pray pray for that, that would be awesome. Um, and we'll just we're just gonna kind of take take it week by week. Um, you know, if Jason Jason's voice is obviously atrophied um, to a certain degree, and there are gonna be times when he's spoken a lot before in the past where you can it's just not gonna be good for him or maybe well who basically who knows and so we're asking for patience and we're because we know you were anticipating that acceptance so i'm saying thank you for that acceptance um but i hope this conversation was interesting to you um i i am fascinated um i'm fascinated that there was a lot there was these small clarifications but it wasn't this massive um 
up it, it wasn't a massive upheaval for jason so basically what i'm getting at is man are those monks just like punking us or like the, you know um they're all a fraud <laughs> they're all a fraud or they're like me where they're like man i I just get to go and like do my gardening and I don't have to listen. I don't have to talk to anybody or, you know, um, whatever it may be. Now, I do want to be clear. If somebody had come to me in the middle of that time and said, Jason, this is now your life, I would have a very different story to tell. So for the record, I think that that's that's the big dividing line for me and the the monks. There's other dividing lines, but that's the big one. You don't have a cool haircut. Um, Truth. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Thank you for listening. Grace, peace and love.